Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Richard Herring, and this is episode six of Can I Have My Ball Back? Who would have thought my testicles had six podcast episodes in them? They've got more. There's more to come, so to speak. This is a podcast about nadgers in general, and my nadgers in particular, and specifically one of my nadgers, the one I lost along the way back in 2021. I didn't lose it, just someone took it out of me. Later in this episode, you'll hear me speaking to Scott and Gemma Bennett. Scott is a stand-up comedian who became a monoballer as a teenager. And Gemma met and married him after that, so has never known him with two plums. Imagine that. We had a very fun chat about that, amongst other things. I'll also be answering more of your crazy emails. But before any of that, let us return to the high drama of my own scrotal story. In episode five, my rebellious testicle was finally removed. And now I had to get used to life as a womble. The main thing I learned in the first two weeks after my surgery was that if you're wearing a jock strap, then you really need to take it off at some point. <laughs> I removed it to wash and then changed into a fresh one every day, but I didn't allow the area to breathe. In hindsight, I probably didn't need to sleep in the jock strap. 
As a result, I ended up in the worst pain that I would experience all this year. I got crotch rot. I became aware of a weird smell, and the skin at the top of my thighs started to sting and then hurt. I was starting to rot away. It would be ironic if I lost the rest of my genitals due to following the doctor's instructions too stringently. The jock rash got me out of the house, though. It was merely a walk up to the GP surgery to get some antifungal cream, but it was the most beautiful and life-affirming perambulation of my life. I'm not joking, I was positively high. I'd felt good on the walk back from the GPs when they told me they thought I didn't have cancer, but this was another level. It was certainly the happiest I'd been since I'd realised my bollock was trying to kill me. If something is denied to you for a decent length of time, it's so liberating when you get it back. I expect Nelson Mandela experienced something similar to this when they let him out of prison. Probably not as intense as what was happening to me, though, because he still had both bollocks. It was like God was stroking my hair and saying, mate, I tested you by removing your testes, clue in the name. And you came out believing in me in exactly the same amount as you did before. That is not at all. Never mind, though. Have some of my special God legal high drugs. It's not right for you to test people like that, God. Oh, come on, it's just a bit of a laugh. No, you're God. You're supposed to rise above stuff like that. Fuck you. You don't even think I'm real. Is that surprising when you act like a child so often? You can fucking talk. I haven't set myself up as God, though, have I? Nor did I. I'm just God. There was nothing I could do about it. But you're omnipotent. You can stop being God if you want. What, and lose all the magic powers? Jog on, mate. Okay, thanks for the drugs anyway, and the gift of life. Life is a wonderful thing. See, I had to take your bollock to make you learn that lesson. Or you could just simply appear to me and told me the lesson and left my bollocks alone. You wouldn't have learned. Why not just threaten to take my bollock? You wouldn't have believed that I'd do it. This was the only way. Can you magic my bollock back on now? Of course I can. I can do anything. It would be pimpsy. Are you going to? Nah. Stop moving in that mysterious way. I like it. Just when I thought it couldn't get any worse for my wife, Katie, I found out that my crotch rot was too deep in my crevices for me to locate myself with any accuracy and too sensitive for me to prod around at, so she had to help me apply unguents to the sore and, frankly, stinky area. I lifted my legs above my head and showed her things that no partner should have to see in the harsh light of day. She didn't even visibly flinch. Don't get a Love Is cartoon of that, do you? That is, that is stupid. But if that isn't love, then what is? It really should be Katie doing this stand-up show. My story of facing my own mortality, losing a body part and coming back stronger is way too positive. I think she has a proper misery memoir in a smearing unguent in my one-bollocked husband's crevices will be a bestseller, no doubt an Oscar-winning movie with Daniel Day-Lewis playing my left ball. <laughs> she definitely got the raw end of this deal, even though I was the one with the raw end. Uh, while I was relaxing in bed, getting flowers and hampers and chomping my way through posh biscuits, she was looking after two kids. She just had her wisdom teeth taken out as well, so in normal circumstances, it would have been her who was resting up. Uh, I mean, I let her have a couple of the biscuits out of my hamper. I'm not a monster. Uh, I did have plenty of time to contemplate my predicament, but I remained remarkably calm and almost indifferent to the loss I'd suffered. Now that my left ball had started to settle in the middle, uh, it's like he realised it was a double bed and the partner wasn't there. <laughs> I didn't even have any qualms about not taking the prosthetic. If anything, my tight little scrotum looked rather neat and also served to make my penis look bigger. I mean, even bigger. I can, uh, ben, can you make sure it says even bigger? Can you just do the bit where I say even bigger in the final edit? There will be many benefits to having a less packed lunchbox. Some pants that had been too small for me became 
now they fitted perfectly. Uh, and uh, as I started to move around and later exercise, I realised that things were a lot more comfortable down there in general. I had to play fewer games of pocket billiards to fit comfortably into my underwear. And when it came to exercise, the single central bollock led to a whole new world of freedom. Uh, those things can swing around or bunch up in your pants and get in the way. When, when you're down to one, you're basically unencumbered. I'd recommend it as a cosmetic procedure to all testicle-owning athletes just to make your life less irksome. Though, of course, that would mean uh, you lose the safety net of having two in case something goes wrong. Why didn't I care about this? Had I failed to process what had happened to me? Was I living in denial? Surely there should be some grieving for what I had lost, but there was none. I hated that traitor. It had despised me so much it had tried to kill me, even though that would also result in its own death. It was the most self-defeating exit since... Well, only since Brexit, but still. <laughs> My only concern over those first few days was that I might have lost some sexual function. It was one thing being happy to be alive, but I didn't want to give up on the, one of the things that makes life worth living. Obviously, immediately following the operation, I was not really in a fit state to put my equipment through even a partial workout. I, I had stitches that could pop, and my remaining ball and my penis seemed to be in mourning for their fallen comrade and had retracted into themselves. So it wouldn't be right to cajole them into any kind of sexual relationship just yet. I had no interest in even touching them and left them alone to lick each other's wounds. Uh, a few days in, I decided to check if things would still, in theory, function, and with a half-hearted, reluctant, and rather sad fumble, managed to confirm that the fumble balloon was still capable of inflation uh, but I wasn't going to take it any further yet. What mixture of gametes and blood might emerge from my devastated man bag? I did not wish to find out. A few overly curious men have asked me if losing a testicle has resulted in me producing a smaller volume of man glue. Of course, as we all know, most of what's in your ejaculate is not produced by the testicles, but in the seminal vesicle. Uh, it's okay if you thought it all came out of the testicle. I've written extensively about male genitalia, and it was only when I was writing this that I discovered about that. <laughs> With the sperm just hitching a ride on that tidal wave. It's still going to make a difference if you've only got one of your replicating devices turned on, though, right? I wish I had an answer for you, but sadly I forgot to take a pre-operation measurement. If only I'd invested in some scientific flasks and dipsticks, I could give you accurate sperm volumes, but like a fool, I spaffed the lot up the wall. If I'm forced to make a guesstimate on my semen production now as opposed to then, I would say it's roughly the same amount. Half of basically nothing is still basically nothing. I'm 55, for Christ's sake. The only certain observation that I have for science is that losing a testicle hasn't resulted in me producing more semen than before. <laughs> I'm shooting dust. I really am. Anyway, I think that stand-up showed something we have touched upon before, that often these things are much more difficult for the partner than they are for the person going through them. And I feel very sorry for my poor and wonderful wife about all the terrible things I've put her through. That was even before I got cancer. Anyway, this episode, I'm very pleased to be joined by two guests, comedian Scott Bennett and his wife and podcast partner, Gemma Bennett, to give me some different perspectives on what it's like to lose a testicle at a significantly younger age than I did. Uh, that comes from Scott. And what it's like to go out with and marry and then have kids with a monoballer. Gemma's going to be providing that information. So, Scott... You have the most testicles in your relationship. <laughs> to the power of one. I mean, it's, sometimes it's arguable I've got none of the testicles. Uh, <laughs> I would say, but yes, I have the one testicle. Yeah. yeah. You lost your testicle at a young age, which I think must be much more... I mean, I lost mine when I was 53, and it was basically used up and done with. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> How old were you and what happened? Yeah, so I was 15 when I lost Ooh. my testicle. It started off, I thought it was a pulled muscle for about two or three days. It was very odd, the whole experience. Yeah. It ended up being something called torsion testes in the end, which yeah. I always think sounds like something that Audi would put in a new car. <laughs> Yeah. So for extra torque or traction or something. But, uh, yeah, and it all happened very quickly because I remember I went to the doctors. He said it was a pulled muscle, which, you know, on reflection was right at the time. I was 15. Um, but yeah, I remember then it all happened. Within 24 hours, I was in and they'd operated because I think it cut off the blood supply. So I remember the pain was unbearable. Even now I can remember the pain. So it's basically your testicles twisted round the tubes have got all the blood supplies cut yeah. off from it so the testicle dies. Is that Absolutely is that right, yeah. I mean, it was funny because <laughs> this is genuinely... Sounds hilarious. Shit. Well, no, it, I mean, <laughs> yeah. looking back it was. But it was funny because my mate at the time, who lived two doors away, when I came back from the hospital, I'd had like two weeks off, he said, what was it? And I said, it was torsion testes. Like, and I said, explained, like, I said, oh, it's the tubes become twisted. And he said, genuinely, he said, why don't you just... Spin them back the other way. <laughs> like that, which is just, just what you need, isn't it, when you're sort of recovering. But yeah, it was, apparently it's very common when you're going through puberty. Right. Because you're having this surge of growth, you know. I did research this for my book, and some people are more prone to it than others. It's like some people have evolved to have slightly more spinny... T- I don't know why your <laughs> testicles should spin around like an owl's head, but they're, they're, yeah. they're, some are more predisposed to it than others. Yes, yeah, so the old nunchuck knackers or something. I don't know what, that, what, what happens there. But, yeah, I mean, it is very odd because, I mean, Gemma knows this, that all my family seem to have had something happen when they were 15, like that sort of right. age. It's really odd, like... My dad had appendicitis. My mum had... Uh, what did my mum had something? She had a pin in her hip. Pin in her hip. My brother had the same thing as my mum, so his leg came out the socket and had to be repinned. Oof. I had a testicle removed. It did feel like we were being used for spares at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to 15 and then they go, right, we're having all them bits. But Scott, so how did you first notice? Was there something that caused it? What happened was I remember coming home from school. I think I played basketball and I came home and I, I was in pain. And, yeah. I, and I remember thinking, I think I've just pulled a muscle. I genuinely did think it's like groin strain or something. So some sort of innocuous movement. Innocuous or... movement. And then I remember going to bed at night thinking, this isn't getting any better. Yeah. And there's no comfortable position. That's when I thought, oh, this is a, you know, I think it's when you tell your parents you're not comfortable. Like, I think that's the sign in it. When you go down and say, I, I think I'm, so much wrong here, you know. I mean, that must have been difficult as well because obviously that's, as a kid, I mean, I find it embarrassing enough as an adult and it took me ages to, like, go to the doctors, you know. So to have to go to your parents and say, I think there's something wrong with my testicles when you're 15 years old, yeah, that's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, and my mum and dad, they didn't know what torsion testes was. No. There was all weird theories. I remember the doctor saying to me, oh, do you wear boxer shorts to sleep in? As if that has influenced the twisting. It was yeah. all weird conversations, like, you know, you should wear briefs because they support them and (laughs) probably I've neglected my testicles for so long I was so traumatized by the whole thing because I I was unconscious or I was sedated when they actually made the decision to remove the testicle I think they tried to save it so they had to get my mum and dad to sign the form so I went under 
thinking I've got two, came back with one, which is, it just seems, you know, it's not the sort of news that they want to break to. It's like, you know, Mr. Bennett, we just want to say the pain stopped. There is a slight thing we might have to mention. Imagine if they didn't mention it and I just went home and I've lost something. Yeah, the pain's gone, but so is your ball. Yeah, yeah I need yeah. my ball back. But, um, yeah. God, it's, I've had a real flashback. I remember coming home from the operation... And in those first six months, there were some really weird adjustments. Like, it was literally like a week of wet dreams. Right. (laughs) Which sounds like it'd be pleasant, but after a while, they're just annoying. (laughs) (laughs) And then then the the content became less and less sexual because they were so regular. It'd just be like, (laughs) it'd just be really mundane, like walking around B&Q. Do you know what I mean? On a Sunday. As a teenager, was it difficult? I mean, you're so self-conscious, I guess, at that time anyway. Was it something that you let everyone know about? Did you try and keep it secret? Was it embarrassing or did it have any effect on you? Yeah, it did. I mean, obviously, when you're 15, like showers at school are traumatic anyway, I always think. There's always the moment where you have to get in the shower, you try and get it over with as quick as possible. And there's always that one lad who appears to have had the growth spurt at nine and he's quite happy to be in the shower. Just stood there soaping himself up. Yeah. But I think I would have had a quite linear teenage years then. I think there would have been like the girls, the going out, the confidence is sort of 15, 16, 17. But it interrupted that and made me a little bit awkward. I think that's what it probably did. It made me probably discover comedy, ironically. (laughs) I mean, I, I do feel that losing that testicle stopped me from being an absolute wanker. (laughs) Because <laughs> I, I think probably everything was going so well. Then Do you think it, it's kept you grounded? I think it, yeah, I think it came along and went, this is what you've got to deal with now. Have a little bit of trauma. And it yeah. makes you feel a little bit vulnerable, you know. I always say that about my Definitely. big nose. I think I'd be really arrogant if I had a really tiny button nose. I'd be so good looking if I had a small nose. <laughs> But yeah, it definitely keeps you grounded. I thought that was your microphone, but now I see you know, the whole that whole thing. Is, yeah, yeah. Obviously, testicular cancer is a different thing, but it does hit a lot of younger people. And and, and when I was going through my experience, I was thinking, you know, how much worse this would be for someone who was young. Yeah. Did other kids like bully you about it or joke about it, or was it not? Um, it was weird because no one really knew about it. I think a lot of my friends were sort of like, you know, you tell them what happened, or I lost a testicle. Brilliant. Right, um, should we go play football? It was literally like that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It didn't really matter. I think it started to hit me more when I started to go to uni and move on in that stage of my life. I was conscious about yeah. it. But, I, I mean, when I met you, ironically, I don't think you even... Did you notice? That, well, I know I look like a person who'd probably seen a thousand penises by the time I was 18. Um, really? I don't want to see that. <laughs> no, but I genuinely didn't know. I didn't notice, and in fact, I've had a coffee with my mates this morning, and one of my friends, her husband's also a uni baller. I've got yeah. two friends whose husbands have both got one testicle. Wow. And, right. We should put together. Think that's what brought you together, the trauma It's just of... pure coincidence. It's so amazing. <laughs> but yeah, we were talking about it this morning, because I said, you know, we were coming to speak to you, and I said, it's really weird, because I never even noticed. And we all had a good laugh about it. And then we were talking about how testicles hang, and maybe it was just that they don't... You sort of imagine them hanging like two... Am I getting into too much detail here? But, no, you know, I, I just no. didn't know. I didn't even know. Did you not until know? Until you told me. Did you not find it weird that I always talk to you on a chaise long laid out? 
Like you were drawing me in Titanic, yeah, yeah. like Kate Winslet. No, I just didn't even know. And I stood side on. <laughs> totally side on, like Mariah Carey or something. Um, but I, I was terrified when I went to uni about that whole thing because I thought yeah. at some point I'm going to have to, how do you even, when do you say it? I mean, do you say it yeah. literally when your trousers are off? You go, just before we start. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if, I hadn't told my wife what was happening and I'd somehow managed to keep the whole thing secret <laughs> from her that she would not have noticed at all because, you know, even if you're down in that area and playing around with that area, you know, even when you're on your own, you can lose track of one of them. So, you know, they, they, they move around a bit. <laughs> but again, I don't feel like it was ever anything that I was even bothered about. But do you know when I think we both became a bit aware of it is when we wanted to have children. And it was oh, the yeah. first time I'd ever seen Scott slightly concerned yeah because we didn't know the mechanics of all the stuff, you know, would it affect fertility? And so you were quite worried about that, weren't you? I was, yeah. I mean, what's incredible is that it didn't have any impact on our fertility no, at all. No, which, no. Which, luckily. I, I can't believe it, yeah. really, thinking about it. Yeah, but that's sort of why we've evolved to have two of them, is that there's some redundancy there, so you can lose one. Simon Munro, who we've also talked to on this podcast, had three kids after, <laughs> after having his ball removed and none before. So wow. I think the other one steps up. I think, a little bit. Yes. And Gemma, so you say you didn't notice. Uh, is it, has it affected you? I'm sure it hasn't, but has it, has it affected <laughs> you in any way to be with a one bulb? And he's been one, but, you know, at least my wife knew me when I had two, so she knew exactly. the magnificent man I was before, but you've never known him as a complete Exactly. Man. You don't miss what you've never had. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's never been an issue. And I think everything that we've experienced as people... It does just make you more empathetic. I just think for our kids in terms of your life experiences, I do think it makes you, dare I say, you know, a better person because I think it does help you to understand things they're going through. Just having those skills to sort of draw on your own experiences and be able to offer advice and, you know, even just to be able to say, you know, you can get through stuff. You will have peaks and troughs in your life, but you can you can come through it and just to be able to offer that level of understanding and empathy, I think is a good thing, really. I think yeah. it's a weird way to deal with anxiety to say to your daughter, right, now sit down. Daddy will tell you about the time <laughs> yes. he lost a testicle. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. got nothing to do with your exams at the moment. But yeah. <laughs> no, it's more like, don't worry, your mate's not talking to you. At least you haven't lost a testicle. <laughs> Torsion testes. Whoa. A pretty horrified thing to happen to anyone, especially a 15-year-old, but lovely to hear the positives there as well. Uh, Now it's time for some adverts, and I'm just hoping there's none for Twister lollies coming up, because it's not the time. Not the time, it's not the place. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Can I Have My Ball Back? As I'm sure you will remember, we are talking to podcasters Scott and Gemma Bennett. Scott, who has lost a testicle, and Gemma, who never knew him when he had two. From a female perspective, aside from balls containing sperm, yeah. which will create children, my feeling is that women aren't really, you know, in gaggles talking about guy. I met this guy, he had amazing balls. <laughs> you know, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think... They're not really a sexy thing, so I can't imagine it would make any difference from the female perspective whether they were there or not, really. Well, do you know what? It's really interesting you said that because, again, I was talking to my friends about all of this. And, you know, if you think of women who have to have a mastectomy, so my friend's mum had a mastectomy, my grandma had a mastectomy, and she had tissue build up to make the other breasts look normal in inverted commas. And, you know, obviously breasts are a sexualized part of the yeah. body whereas testicles like you say i mean who's looking at a bloody pair of testicles i ain't bothered about testicles it is it's like the difference i suppose the metaphor is the breasts are like a spoiler yeah. whereas the testicle is like the engine no one's going under the bonnet really are that they? is a terrible <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible metaphor it sounded yeah, better in my head it did <laughs> um yeah and it's not to say one's worse than the other but at the end of the day breasts are very much on show aren't they they form a part yeah. of how you look in terms of your silhouette, the shape of your figure, whereas testicles are neatly tucked away and... Well, I don't know about neatly. <laughs> <laughs> like a badly packed sleeping bag. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm glad I've only got the one. It's, yeah. it's yeah. logistically... Well, I found a lot of positives to it, having had two, and it made life a lot easier in terms of, you know... When you're running and stuff, I just found it a lot more comfortable and things like that. You know, when you're doing sport, you've just got it. It's much more, yes. much more <laughs> bijou and tucked away. Exactly. Because you know, I can't remember my twin testicle days. I wish I'd have cherished it a bit more. Yeah. But I do well, it. You, you didn't even get a chance to say goodbye. You didn't know it was just that. <laughs> you know, but it's funny because I, I always think it's gone from like, even when you become aroused and you look like an exclamation mark now, it's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great source of joke writing I must admit I've done so it really many has, jokes about yeah. my testicles yeah. which is bizarre but yeah I think I genuinely have a bit of a fear of anyone operating again round there I feel like yeah. I've got away with it and let's not tempt fate I mean even now 
I'd booked him for the snip. I was I? just going to say this because we always say it's just because of your gigs that it just never works out. Like, oh, uh, yeah. I'm booked in, but then a gig's come up and I need to be on, you know, match you fit for these few days. And it just never seemed to work out, did it? But yeah. I think I do not blame you for not wanting anyone to go particularly near that region again. Yeah, I, I think it was the, it's the fear of, you know, you don't go back and park your car in the same street where someone nicked your alloys. <laughs> I think the psychology of it all is, you know, you're so worried and protective about the other one because obviously if you've got the propensity of someone twists it around, you know it could happen again. And obviously having had cancer, you think that could come back again. And so I've been in two or three times in 18 months to sort of... With, and they've nearly always turned out to be something, but luckily so far not the thing. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm thinking about it a lot, but it's on my mind and no one really takes you through the psychological aspect of it. They get you back on your feet and off you go, but no one's saying... You know, this is going to be <laughs> weird for you because you're, yeah. you're worrying about... Because obviously losing one is sort of OK and losing two, whilst manageable and survivable, is a very different yes. kettle of fish, isn't it? Yes, and I think that I came off the back of that. It, it did send me on a weird trajectory because I remember after that I went straight into my GCSE exams and I didn't cope particularly well. And I think it's because I probably didn't deal with that trauma. Yeah. Mm. I did yeah. okay, but I think there was a lot of latent stress and trauma in the background. But, but I think even going back probably 15 years, people didn't talk as much as they do today, don't you think? Yeah. I yeah. don't think we talked so much about stuff back then. I yeah. think that's true. I think as well, it, it is seen as such a masculine thing, isn't it? It's your testicles. Yeah. It's how you, you carry on your lineage. And, you know, if you lose <laughs> one, oh, you know, it, it's a very... Difficult thing to well, process. Well, it is. I mean, even talking to my... Because we have something called the Coffee Club, which is just women who meet for a coffee. We were saying that men don't tend to talk to each other about... You know, it, it is free therapy, basically, sitting together, talking things through. And I don't know if you would have ever done that. Even now, I don't think no. you talk so much about stuff, really. No, I think men are quite sort of closeted about things like that, aren't they? They are. And I think as both of us are comedians, obviously, and I'm sure both of us use humour to cope with it and get through it. Comedy is a great way to yeah. to deal with, with a traumatic experience. But I, I do feel, as time's going on, I'm feeling that the trauma of, you know, it's, it is a traumatic experience to lose a body part. And yeah. I'm having a little bit of a post-traumatic stress Yes. situation going on I think with it which I wasn't expecting I thought oh, you know I'll just keep joking and I'll keep light about it and uh it is a great way to deal with it and I'm really glad I did that but it is interesting how much you know every little pain every little niggle is just like oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> can yeah. I ring the doctor again or will he tell me to fuck off this time because <laughs> I've been in three times already I do think it's funny you sort of said because you lost it obviously at a different era in your life to yeah me. so you're at the sort of yeah. much old, I probably found that losing it at 15, I don't know what's the better option, to be honest. I think they're equally difficult to deal with. But I think at 15, what it did is I think it made me realise I wasn't as invincible as I thought I was. And inadvertently, it probably made me quite risk-averse as I got older. I probably became a little bit safer as a result. It's the ultimate embarrassment factor, though, isn't it? Talking about your testicles to a doctor yeah. and that moment where you have to get them out on the bit of tracing paper and they sort of prod around with a pen and <laughs> by <Byro> or something. 
Did they trace your testicles, Scott? <laughs> I mean, that never happened to me. Trace, no, they sort of, I, I remember him sort of, he did prod about a bit. And it was swollen. That was the other thing. There was a big swelling. Yeah. So one side was getting bigger and bigger. Uh, but they did actually, they did say, oh, we can correct this. And that was what was so shocking about it, is that they said, yeah. when they rushed me into hospital, we'll just sort this out and drain it. And then I woke up and in, it yeah. was all gone. That is a really terrible thing to come out of anaesthetic or whatever it was and, and find your world is different without even knowing. Yeah. Um, Thanks very much for uh, sharing that. And it is great to talk about it. And I think it is great to talk about it as a stand-up comedian. There are a few of us, actually. There's at least four UK comedians. <laughs> going on? There might be more. There might be there might more, be more out keeping there. Keeping a secret. That's, uh, maybe that's a thing. We could do a fundraiser. I didn't realise there was that many comedians. What's going on there? probably there? are enough to do a fundraiser. Yeah, but brilliant. It's really good to talk about it, Scott, and well done to both of you for being so funny about it, and thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Thanks so very much. much. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having us. I have really enjoyed chatting to everyone for this series, but that was a very fun chat with Gemma and Scott. Thank you very much to both of them for their openness and their very good humour. Do check out their own weekly podcast series, Brew with the Bennets. To hear more from them, you can get info at Scott's website, scottbennettcomedy.co.uk and Scott and Bennett have double T's. He's got two T's in both of his names, which is ironic because he only has one testicle in his scrotum and his scrotum only has one T. Let's have another look at some of the messages you've been sending into the show at cihmbb at gmail.com. It's the initials of can I have my ball back at gmail.com. Really, thank you for... I can't believe how many emails we're getting and how brilliant they are. So thank you for everything you've sent in so far. And do feel free to share your horrifying and delightful stories about balls or anything you fancy. Anyway, here's a slightly painful sounding email from Ben. Is it from you, Ben? Not from Ben, the producer, he says. Anyway, Ben says, I have been complaining for some time about how I couldn't get my pants to fit properly and for some unknown reason didn't think that my one enormous bollock might have something to do with it. The turning point came when I took my daughter to a water park. My enlarged testicles... (laughs) Oh, I'm glad I don't read these beforehand. My enlarged testicles somehow got caught underneath the rubber ring whilst on a particularly rapid descent. Ah, these are just made up. My enlarged testicles somehow got caught underneath the rubber ring whilst on a particularly rapid descent. When the dizziness and sick feeling subsided, I then decided it was probably time to have it checked. Don't wait until your ball has become trapped under a rubber ring to go to the doctors. I can already see the moral of this story. The scan was all quite jovial and was very relaxed. The mood in the room then clearly changed and this was the first point I actually started to be concerned. I was fortunate enough to see the consultant within 20 minutes and was advised that it was unlikely to be cancer but they would like to remove it as soon as possible. The procedure itself was, for me, virtually painless and within a few weeks I was pretty much fully mobile again though I doubt my wonderful surgeon will be appearing on the Great British Sewing Bee. Nice to know. The wait for the biopsy results felt like a lifetime, but the all clear was a wonderful call to get. I'd experienced lots of the anxiety and stress associated with cancer, but thankfully none of the cancer itself. The only real discomfort I suffered was having to wear the jockstrap harness after the op, and I would recommend to anyone going through the same thing to get a spare or two. And I've discovered that having a 65mm tumour removed from your sack is a genuinely life-changing experience. I hadn't fully realised how uncomfortable I had been 
for so long. Well, you know, that's interesting there. I personally, I had four jock straps, but the mistake I made was not leaving any time to air the particular area. I don't think I necessarily needed to wear them in bed the whole time. It sounds like you went through some of the similar things to me, Ben, but I would think I would have been annoyed to find out it wasn't cancerous, but I suppose it had to come out anyway. And as you say, you felt better. Is it almost the same size as mine by the sounds of things? We're at least brothers in that. Jock straps and six centimetre testicles. Next up, we have a story about a chance meeting at the hospital. Paul writes, I was out drinking one night 17 years ago and ended up sleeping on a mate's couch. I woke up during the night with an incredible pain in my nether regions and went to the toilet to investigate. When I dropped my trousers, it was obvious, even to the drunken eye, that one of my spuds, old lefty, had swollen considerably. So, in true blokey fashion, rather than immediately going to A&E, I shrugged it off and hobbled home to fall back asleep. The next morning, the alcohol had worn off and I was now in excruciating pain. My bollock had swollen even more and I now resembled the Viz character Buster Gonad with his one unfeasibly large testicle. I phoned my mum as she worked in a health centre and might have come across this sort of thing before. This was just before smartphones, so I could not send her a picture of my inflated nad. Which would have been weird anyway. Yes, it would have been weird. So I just described it. She said to get it seen to... ASAP. So eventually, without money for a bus or taxi, I walked the two miles to the GP surgery in agony. The GP took one look at it and said I needed to go to hospital right away. I managed to get a lift there and was fast-tracked to see a doctor. I was lying on the bed in triage, bores out. When the surgeon came in the room, Paul McGinley, he said, it's been a while. It turns out said surgeon was in my class at primary school (laughs) over 16 years ago. Then I remembered about the time at school when I was caught throwing stones at someone's windows, panicked and gave his name and address to the homeowners. Now, ironically, he was looking at my stones. Awkward. Fair play to him, though. He did not mention this incident or gloat that he was now a top surgeon and I was a mature student with shit clothes and a hairy beanbag that a child could comfortably hop on. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I had testicular torsion. It was too late to do anything about it as my nut had already passed on to ball heaven and could not be saved. When they asked if I wanted a prosthetic, I was tempted to ask if I could get a gold one so I could tell people I had a golden ball and hope they got the Jasper Carrot late noughties quiz show reference. I mean, yeah, for a short time that would have been hilarious. Joking aside though, I was depressed for a while after the procedure and did feel like less of a man. I worried about meeting new partners and whether to tell them up front, maybe not on a first date, or just say nothing and see if they noticed. Luckily, I met my partner shortly after and she has never had a problem with it. It's also something I've never discussed with male friends and it's only listening to this podcast that I don't feel the need to be ashamed anymore. So now I am a uniballer and proud. Thanks, Rich. Great to hear. And yes, there's nothing to be ashamed about with any of this. You don't have to tell anyone about it. Uh, I genuinely can't see it affecting anybody's view of you as a romantic partner. So you don't have to worry about that. But it is also great to get out and talk about it and helpful. And so thank you for sharing that story and your surname. And also for the broken window thing as well, which I think you might get in quite a lot of trouble about now that's out. Uh, I only realised halfway through that email that when it, when he said bores out and said his surname was McGinley, that Paul was Scottish. Otherwise, I would have read that all in a Scotch accent. So uh, sorry about that. And finally, this episode, we have an email from another listener who had torsion testes. 
I had a testicle removed as a child due to testicular torsion. I ended up being bullied badly about this as a teenager at school, leading to huge confidence issues and a feeling of emasculation. Now at 35 years old, I still have a bit of a complex and don't really talk openly about my testicular impairment with anyone outside of my close family and friends. I know deep down that it's not an issue, that grown-up people won't care, and that plenty of people out there are in the same situation, but it's taken me a long time to be more comfortable with it than I once was, and I'm still on that journey. I've also had a testicular cancer scare last year, but I was one of the luckier ones whose pain was nothing more sinister than swollen veins. I had a bit of fun at the scan though. The nurse didn't know that I'd had one removed as a child and the panic and confusion on her face was fantastic. The fact she asked, um, are you aware you appear to have a testicle missing made a heavy moment much lighter. I'm so grateful to you for making this a talking point and for being so open about your own experiences. This series is hopefully going to make people more aware of how common a thing this is and hopefully help me to deal further with whatever stigma I still have about my own experiences. And yeah, look, um, much as we have had fun and laughed about this subject, I really should say, I think, certainly for younger people, for kids who might lose a testicle in the way that Scott and this listener have done, but also because testicular cancer does affect younger people. All the things I'm saying about not bothering about prosthetics and not worrying about people laughing at you, I think it is very different for kids where you are already incredibly self-conscious and there is the possibility that if kids find out about this or notice this, that they're going to make a big deal about it. But that's part of the reason I think we need to talk about all of this. It shouldn't be something that dogs you through your adult life. You are right, listener to say that you know nobody cares about it as an adult, but I absolutely understand how something like that can affect your whole life and your whole confidence, but it really doesn't have to. So good luck with that particular journey, and thank you for sharing your story, which I hope has helped you, and I'm sure it will help other people as well. And congratulations on not having testicular cancer in your remaining testicle. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Thank you to everyone who shared those stories. I think it makes... A big difference and remember if you email in if you want to have your name read out that's fine and if you don't want to have your name read out that is also fine just let us know if you do email in to cihmbb at gmail.com and with that we have reached the end of another episode of can i have my ball back no you can't there's lots to look forward to in future episodes including chats with my oncologist dr sharma with comedian simon munry and an expert on people navigating the Pacific Ocean with their testicles. Something I didn't write about in my book, but I would have written a whole book about if I'd found out about it in time. It is awesome. But until then, remember to thoroughly check yourselves in any way you feel is reasonable. And then thoroughly check out my book, Can I Have My Ball Back? Available at all good bookshops and at gofasterstripe.com ball. Can I Have My Ball Back is presented by me, Richard Herring. Thanks to my guests, Gemma and Scott Bennett. I am indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. I would also very much like to thank Brothers in Balls, Chris Evans, not that one or that one, my researcher, Alex Hiscock, George Lingford, the two-balled sound man, Rich Evans at Sinkbox, and also I'd like to thank everyone at the Bill Murray Pub and the Phoenix, where I recorded the stand-up. The music is by Gustav Holst. Have you heard of him? is rather good. Thanks also to BMG Music Library. This is a Go Faster Stripe, Sky Potato and Fuzz production. If you've got fuzz around your Sky Potatoes, you can shave it off. Goodbye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.